Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Barbenheimer or live Trump trial? Which one are you going to see? I'm Matt Robeson. It's the Balance of Power Roundtable, part of the Beyond Politics podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, the Blue Amp channel on YouTube, joined by former two-term Democratic U.S. Congressman Paul Hodes and conservative commentator, analyst, and political consultant, Alicia Preston. Have you guys seen both Barbie and Oppenheimer? I have only seen Barbie so far. Alicia, you wanted to invite me to dunk mm -hmm. on conservatives, not conservatives, yeah. on Republicans. I'm not against conservatives. I'm more against Republicans. Tell me, I'm intrigued. I'm all a, a quiver here. Why do I get to dunk on Republicans because of the Barbie movie? And again, it is more far right the culty type Republicans, not most Republicans by any stretch of the imagination, but they're opposing the Barbie movie. I don't want to ruin the movie to explain why, other than there is the word patriarchy used, but I can officially say Barbie, and I'm a big movie watcher. I watch so many movies, it's ridiculous. Barbie is one of the most entertaining movies I have seen in absolutely years. And if people want to boycott it because I can't figure out what they're complaining about, your loss, it dunks on everybody, on every it's reality. Woke. It's not woke. It makes fun of everything and everyone. It's just funny. And I've seen even, I got into a discussion with a liberal friend of mine who's a former senator. He was like, no, it's very political and agenda driven. I'm like, dude, you missed the parts they're making fun of you. Like, it just makes fun of every reality. Liberals have to relax too. It is actually not anything more than a ridiculous movie. Liberals have to relax. That's actually going to be the name of our next podcast. Did the Women's World Cup team lose because they were too woke? No, they lost because they're too arrogant on the pitch. Wait a second. Arrogant on the pitch, meaning oh, yeah. the goaltender the goal on the penalty kick with Sweden missed by the barest millimeter. That's bad luck. That's not okay, First of all, it never should have gotten to penalty kicks in a million years. The U.S. team is on paper and on the field in past years far better than Sweden. But if you, I got up at five in the morning to watch the game live because I tried to get into this World Cup. I tried so hard and they make it so hard for me. It was terrible play. It was arrogant play. They're flopping like fish. They're calling for calls that don't exist. And that's how they won so well four years ago. They got everything they wanted. The refs were afraid of them. They weren't this time around. And they played an arrogant game. Perfect case in point, Megan Rapinoe's missed penalty kick. She hasn't missed a penalty kick in five years. Did you watch her get up to take that? First of all, she took an incredibly risky shot with a part of her foot, you only take that kind of shot. If you've got traffic in front of you, you got two minutes left in the game and you got to get this goal in order to win. That is the only time you take that kind of shot. She should have rocketed it in like everybody else did in a boring way to get that penalty kick. But now Megan Rapinoe wants to be on the cover of a magazine being a hero. And proof is afterwards in an interview, she didn't talk about the team. She didn't talk about the nation she represents. She said, for me, this was a dark comedy. What Megan Rapinoe forgot this entire time is it's not about her. It's about her team and representing her nation, and she fought for herself, not everyone else. That's I disagree slightly with the penalty take because there were several, I think there were three of those penalty shots that went upper deck. Two got skied over the net. But I was surprised at the number of penalty takes that were 
audacious in, in going high. She wasn't alone in that, but I look, I'm what it reminded me of, honestly, was the style of play you used to see out of the men's team about 15 years ago, where our only hope was we were more athletic, we were faster, we were stronger. And that was definitely the case across the board here, except with Sweden, you ran up against a team that was at least as physical as we were and seemed to be close to as skilled. And it's just what was baffling for me was we didn't score, we scored one goal in the run of play in the last three games. Actually, no, I take it back. That was off a corner. We didn't score any goals in the run of play in the last three games. It just seemed to be a lack of creativity, a lack of link-up play. But why do, Why are Republicans taking this schoidenfreude of, like, they lost and see many of them are outwardly gay and therefore that's the, it's all they well, haven't heard the, the gay woke thing. I have heard virus. the woke thing. I haven't heard the anti-gay thing, but I have heard the woke thing. Look, I will I tell you this. And same I, thing. I wrote like a column about it. Here, Here's where the problem is. They didn't lose because they're woke, but they're annoying because they're woke when they're on the field. I don't care what they do in their own life. I don't care when Megan Rapinoe, she goes around, she's a promotional speaker or whatever they're called for certain rights. No, Motive, thank you. Thank you. There motivational. You That's fine. I don't care about any of that. Here, Here's where I got annoyed. You know, when any major sporting event you're watching comes on TV, they have this video montage with bolstering music to hype up the fans. The second game against the Netherlands, the video they put up to hype up the crowd was Rapino talking about racism, LGTB rights, and equal pay. Now, two of those things I agree with her on. I don't agree with her on equal pay, but two of those things I agree with her on. That is not the moment for that. That is what's annoying and why so many people, myself included, I literally threw up my hands. I was like, this is what you're hyping me on. That is not where that conversation belongs. That is a fair critique. I just want to be clear to all of our viewers and listeners that everyone on this show gets equal pay. And oh. I actually oh. ran the I actually ran the numbers in Paul in your office. Did you know that on average the women made more than the men? Good job on you. Speaking of competing TV spectacles, Paul, from a legal standpoint, should the Trump Gen 6 trial be on TV? Yes, short answer, it should. It's an From a legal standpoint. Yeah, it's an unprecedented case. It's an unprecedented prosecution. It's of monumental national importance. It's an it's a first ever most important federal case in our lifetimes. And although generally television in federal courts is very rare, frowned upon, in fact was prohibited when the first criminal code came out in the 50s, the judge does have discretion for t television for the presentation of evidence. In this case, I think it's an, it serves an important national purpose. And in fact, you've got both parties asking for it. Both the prosecution and Polinsky are asking for television. If both parties agree, I think in this case, it's important. That you've just, and you've just had Adam Schiff and a number of other members of Congress write to the court and ask that it be televised so that the country sees and hears the evidence and sees that this is going to be a fair, impartial trial. And it, I think, will go a long way to, it perhaps could go a long way towards soothing the insane divisions about what this trial really is and what Trump really did or didn't do. So I think it would be a good thing to do. Alicia, why would Donald Trump want this to be televised? Sure, he does. His lawyer, his new lawyer came out and said he wants it. Is he or if he may not take the stand, but the people that are aligned with him going to get up and say Donald Trump knows the election wasn't stolen? I can't imagine they want some of these things out there. If it's not televised, then his sycophants can just say the media is lying about what their reporting was said. 
they, that's what they do. And I don't know that I think Team Trump has to at the moment say, yes, we want to televise, we want transparency, we want this, but I'm not sure they actually do. And if pleadings come about to ask for this, I'm not sure where he'd come down. Now, I looked it up. Apparently, there's two ways to make this televised and two ways only. And it's not the individual judge's discretion. It would have to either have to be a law passed by Congress or the judicial Maybe, Paul, you can come with the name is the judicial board that oversees the judiciaries across this country, for which John Roberts is the head of, can simply vote to well, make it part of the, the rule. The, there's something called judicial conference. And that, over yeah. the years since 19, the 1950, since Rule 53, which prohibited broadcasting, came in, there have been numerous pilot programs, I, I don't know, 14 or 15 different pilot programs about television. And the current policy is... A judge may authorize broadcasting, televised recording, or taking photographs only for the presentation of evidence, for the perpetuation of the record of the proceedings for security purposes, purposes of judicial administration, appellate arguments, and in accordance with pilot programs. So it can be permitted, and that's the current policy. There is a way for a judge on motion to permit it, but it's rare, It's very rare in federal courts. I am going to take a contrarian view that I think this should not be televised. The revolution should not be televised, and neither should the punishment of the attempted revolution. I, we've seen some interesting examples of this. One of the reasons that the OJ trial turned into a circus is that it was on TV. One of the reasons that the subsequent civil trial did not turn into a circus is that it was not on TV. I think the Trump team has every incentive because there's a good chance they're going to lose in a legal sense to try to turn this into a circus and to try to win in a political sense. I don't think we want that. And I think it puts the judge in an impossible position if she is making rulings in the course of the trial that are fully justified on the legal merit, just don't look good or are hard to explain to the American public, especially if these things are televised on Fox News, where you have motivated political reasoning at play, and you have analysts who are going to come in, and they're going to try to make Trump look like a martyr. I'm afraid that this being on television is only going to exacerbate the political effect of this being divisive and adding fuel to Trump's fire with his MAGA base. I'm not sure it's a good thing. And the final thing I'll say, and Paul, by all means, feel free to weigh in on this aspect particularly. I think the fact that the proceedings of Congress are on TV is a mistake. I think it's bad. I think, by and large, the effect of C-SPAN has been negative for America. I hate to- You don't think the it. American public should know what their elected officials are doing? I did not say that. That, those, that was your words. I think they should absolutely know what their elected officials are doing. They can read about it. It's called- Filtered by written, whom? The written word. They can get- There's you, something called the congressional that, that's record. That's a great way to guarantee the American people can't see what's going on, because how many people are going to sit down and read a record? Oh, but they can. No, that's wanting to block transparency. No. That no, is no, ridiculous no, no, no. and totally different than a court case. Totally since, different. Listen, as someone who has sat through hours and hours, probably years, if you add it all up, of statements made for the cameras, to hate to kind of burst people's bu bubble, but 99.9% .9 of the time, if you see a member of Congress, if you see video of a member of Congress, 
they are speaking to an empty chamber. There's no one there except some poor benighted staffers like I used to be or and the person who's sitting in the chair and the poor people who have to work there. There's no one there. They're mugging for the cameras. Every day at the conclusion of regular business, there are what are called special order speeches. This is for the insane maniacs, I love you people, who are up at two in the morning and have decided to watch C-SPAN. They were my biggest fans. What do you mean maniacs? They were my biggest fans. I always wanted a television show. I just never realized it would be C-SPAN at midnight when I was talking to an empty chamber making flowery speeches about constitution. Exactly. Exactly. And that's and the point is that we've created a set of incentives my for Congress. Fellow Americans. But you're joking about this, but we've created incentives for them to get up and to play to their base and to try to make fundraising speeches. And look, it's super freaking entertaining. If you go over to the Blue Amp channel, you will see that we post with some commentary and analysis, lots of these speeches. Dan Goldman's great at it. Eric Swalwell's great at it. They're, it's entertainment and it's red meat for your base. It has nothing to do with getting anything done. And I would say that it's bad for the political process Wait of actually getting D things done. You see, it's just Hollywood East. Everybody knows. It didn't knows. used to be that way, Everybody man. Everybody knows it's Always just Hollywood been that East. Way. No, it has not. It became that way because there were cameras. If there are no cameras, then you're not playing to the cameras. Because as you said, Alicia, you're not going to grandstand for the sake of the congressional record. There's full transparency. There is a, a verbatim record. There are reporters. You can even have radio. I, but what you should not have is the cameras in there. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. I totally People disagree. Pay I totally little disagree. enough attention to the workings of government anyway. At least with something entertaining on C-SPAN, you can get in there and cheer for your side. Come on. Yeah, Matt. but that's the point you're is being, that it's turned it into a, a sport. Stick it's, in the mud. It's Go turned to the into, 17th century. It's turned I would love that. It's turned into I would make an excellent They didn't have podcasts back then. But they, they had, had town criers. I would go out here, yield. She's a witch, Alicia Breath. I denounce you, Alicia. <laughs> evil schemes. That's evil with two L's and an E. Anyway, the point is, e. just get people mugging for the cameras and not doing government, doing fundraising appeals to their base by being as hateful to the other side as possible. I think it's bad. And I think you would have that on crack cocaine if the Trump trial were Televised. There are plenty um, of members on crack cocaine. We don't have to go into that one. Speaking speaking of hyped up, deranged people, one more legal question for you, Paul. Trump has asked, sorry, the prosecution, Jack Smith, has asked for a protective order here. By the time people hear this show, uh, there may be a ruling on this. What do you think the odds are? You might be proven right or wrong very shortly, but what do you think the odds I, are is going to be a protective order Well, here? first of all, a protective order dealing with Donald, for Donald Trump is pretty useless. He has no more control over his mouth than a squirrel has over whether it likes nuts. The guy can't shut up. The other day he was on what he was on Twitter saying, I'm coming to get you. Who knows who he was talking to? But if you're not for me, I'm coming to get you. The reason to have a protective order is to preserve the impartiality and sanctity of the proceedings. So you don't want people spilling all the evidence, talking to witnesses about it, doing all that. So you try to create a shroud, a legal shield against people infecting others with the evidence or what they know about the trial. So a protective order would say, you can't share this, the evidence 
in this case with other people outside your legal team. The reason you've gotten this discovery of the evidence from the prosecution, Mr. Defendant, is for preparation of trial. It should be used for preparation of trial. Don't use it to intimidate witnesses. Don't talk to the witnesses. We're issuing a protective order to keep things in the box of the trial. There definitely should be a protective order. Trump will violate it. Then God knows what will happen. But there should be a protective order in this case. What, what do you Trump think said was, I don't know, legally, I don't know. But what he said was, if you go after me, I'm coming after you. And I think everyone needs to step back and understand whether it order gets a protective order or not on evidence, what that means. This is a man who's running to be president of the United States of America, who is threatening to go after his adversaries. The exact same thing he is complaining is happening to him right now. He is saying he will do. I think that's dangerous. I think it's damaging. And I think more people should be upset with it. And if you truly believe that all these, what is it, 72 or something charges and indictments against Donald Trump are all politically motivated by his political opponent, then you should be equally outraged that Donald Trump is threatening to do the exact same thing that you think is happening. The most insidious part of this is that Trump is probably thinking about this to the extent that he's hearing anything in his own brain besides like loud circus music and a chorus of people praising. <laughs> exactly. He is probably thinking that this is a win-win for him either way. Either there's no protective order and he gets to continue fundraising and playing the martyr victim and saying and like playing all the politics with this, or there is a protective order and he gets to claim that he's the martyr and the victim and that his first amendment rights are being violated. And I would just love to hear someone read Donald Trump his rights so that he could say, you have the right to remain silent. And Donald could say, I waive that. Okay, let's, I feel like we've got the to The free on. speech thing is driving me crazy, by the way. His lawyer going around saying everything involved in this indictment, the one regarding January 6th, was his free speech. I heard one lawyer analyst say it best the actually it might have been bill barr i don't remember who it was on one of the networks all conspiracy requires speech it's still a crime and i was like that's a really good point if someone is conspiring they have to talk about conspiring with someone that's not protected a conspiracy by the way requires not just an agreement to do a bad thing but some action taken by one of the co-conspirators to do a bad thing so you can talk all you want but if you then go and do or try to do a bad thing, you've conspired. So free speech only goes so far. Right. As the former federal prosecutor, Renato Mariotti, tweeted over the weekend, it's well settled in the law that freedom of speech does not give you the right to commit fraud or engage in criminal conspiracies. The not former prosecutor, NBC Meet the Press host Chuck Todd said, you're not allowed to use speech in order to get somebody to commit a crime. And CNN's Dana Bash said, you can't break the law. It's like approving fake electors. You don't need a law degree to see through this and to see that it's utter BS. Actually, we had Christy Parker, who's another former federal prosecutor. There's a lot of former federal prosecutors running around these days. We happened to get the very best one on Beyond Politics last week, and she made the incisive legal point that this is all, there's a very short shelf life on this media BS that they're spouting, because what's going to happen here is there's going to be a pretrial motion about whether they can introduce whether basically this should all be dismissed on First Amendment grounds. And the judge is going to rule on this. And the judge is going to laugh that out of court. And then this argument will not be allowed in the courtroom. And by the way, just to circle back for a second, this is why I think that this whole thing shouldn't be on TV. Because 
what's going to just play this out for a second. All right. There's a pretrial motion to dismiss. And the judge says, no, that's legal malarkey. First Amendment is not at issue here. Then you get into the trial and John Loria, Trump's lawyer, starts to opine on this is impinging on Donald Trump's First Amendment rights. And Jack Smith rises and says, objection, your honor has already ruled on this, that this is not relevant to this case. And the judge says, sustained, you may not discuss that. And now you have this on TV and you have waves of people confused and it looking like Donald Trump is somehow being victimized and shut down again. And regardless of the legal truth of it, they're going to go and they're going to fundraise. And Alicia, you're going to get 30 more emails from Donald Trump. I just got shut down again. This is all a prescription for mischief. So hence. Just lastly, weighing in on that, though, here's the thing. In this discussion, we're presuming everyone in this country is on the side of convict or acquit. And I just don't think that's true. And that includes me. I don't know. And I think, therefore, we need to have middle America who aren't the ones who Donald Trump could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and they'd say it was justified. And those who Donald Trump could walk across the street and they want him in prison for jaywalking. Those aren't the majority of Americans. Most of us out here, I think he did really bad things. I think he probably committed crimes. But I like watching trials. I'm a child junkie. I want to see what the evidence is. I want to see what the law is that applies. I want to see, did he actually commit crimes that fit the law as it's intended? And I don't want a former president to go to jail. I want justice to be served. For me, it's not political. For most of us, it's not. And I think that is a very important reason to have it televised. You, my friend, to quote Star Wars, are part of a dying breed. You are a real rarity. I would submit to you that the majority of Americans, and there's polling evidence behind this, have very strong feelings about Donald Trump and do have a definite pre- trial bias about whether they'd like to see him convicted. Well, I have strong feelings about Donald Trump, but not about Yes, but on the question <laughs> of whether they want to see him acquitted. But I, you raise a really interesting point. Let me ask this to you guys. What are you really rooting for as an outcome here? I'm not going to bias you either way. Paul, fast forward to a future. What outcome do you think is the best outcome? In, in the January 6th case or in all these cases? January 6th case. What's the uh, best outcome? I think that he's got to be convicted of interfering with an official proceeding. And I'd really like to see a conviction on the last count, which is interfering with the right of people to cast their vote. Because that is a kind of, that was the surprising count, the most surprising count in this indictment. And the one that packs, for me, the most punch. Because it says, you tried to steal the election. You ran a coup. Now, look. In many countries around the world, if the former leader stages a coup, he's taken out in the courtyard and shot. So I don't want to see that happen to Donald Trump. I just want to see him, as I've said over since 20, I don't know, 16, 17, 18. I just want to see him in an orange jumpsuit inside but can, a federal But can prison. I push you on that? Is sure. that the best outcome? Is that the best outcome? Because there is a strong argument to be had that might lean into, look, we have seen, that's what January 6th was all about, that there is a real predilection for violence on the right and that he is going to go down like a martyr, arguing that he has been the victim here. And look, today in the New York Times, we have Jack Goldsmith, who was an assistant attorney general and special counsel in the Department of Defense, 
under George W. Bush, mind you, but whatever, arguing that if we convict Trump, it might have terrible consequences for the country. Would you want to see him convicted, but maybe put on a very long probation? Or you actually think the best outcome for the country is for him to be behind? I think I I want him. I don't want him. I want him put away is what I want. And because if he's convicted and he can continue to talk and he can continue to do what Donald Trump does, I don't think that's good for the country. I think this is time for some serious, I think it's time for justice for the American people. This guy is a mob boss criminal. He's run a racketeering operation forever and ever. He did it when he got elected. He did it to the American people. He tried to steal our election. He's And although Jack Smith didn't charge incitement directly to the insurrection, that's what he did. He knew what he was doing. It was a months long plot. There's nothing like this that's ever happened in the history of this country. I want this guy put away in an orange jumpsuit in the worst of all circumstances. I have visions of him sitting in a bear cell with a plastic, with a rubber spoon trying to eat some oatmeal. I want him in solitary confinement for the rest of his life. Now, okay. that, uh, may not be, that may not be particularly rational about this. That's this what I'm guy, wondering. See, that's what I'm wondering. This okay. guy needs to be put away. And if yep. there's violence on the right, let them try. Okay, let's okay. go. I I hear you the incited me going on here. Alicia, you are anti-Trump. What's the best outcome here? Let's take a break. We'll be right back. I don't know. I don't think there is a good outcome. I think I do think, and I can't take just one one of the indictments alone. I think in the now three potentially four charging indictments, I think he'll be found guilty of something somewhere. I really do. I don't know which charge. I don't know what. There's too many out there that something's not going to be found guilty of something, and he's done bad things. Where and how and if they raise to the line of criminality, again, that's what the trials are for. And it's not the right that will go crazy. It's his sycophants. And I think we have to recognize that those are very different groups. I'm on the right. That's my politics. That's my policy. That has nothing to do with Donald Trump, who is Decidedly not conservative out there, guys, by the way. Uh, And what's good for the country? I don't know. I'm with Paul in one sense that I want the era of Trump to be over. I think he's done more damage to this country in the last six years than we have had damage done to this country in any period in history. I think a second Donald Trump term would, and I am the one who tries not to be lunatic about this, but I think it could potentially damage democracy as we know it and do long-term permanent damage to our country. So I want him to go away. I really do. But I don't want to jeopardize our judicial system or the sanctity of it in the process of doing so. And I don't know what the right answer is. I'm with you. I don't know what the right answer is. And I am still speculating in my mind. Check this space. And there's a lot of space in this head. Check this space later because I'm beginning to wonder about what about a conviction and a suspended sentence? What about a conviction and a lot of probation? And I'm not making this up here, people. I sound like Joe Biden. It's true. I'm telling you the truth. No, no lie. I, what about community service? I mean it. Like, what about Trump? Donald Trump out there picking up trash, having on the to to perform community service. Like, I I'm I fear what would happen if he gets to play the martyr card and right. the effect on the politics. And my number one fear is, as much as I've argued, including in Newsweek last week passionately that no, these indictments are not good for Donald Trump. We're in totally uncharted territory. We just don't know what would happen if you convict him 
on these charges and if he is sent to prison. We don't know what the effect would be politically. We can guess, we can make educated guesses. Pollsters can make educated guesses based on history and analogies and somewhat similar incidents, but it's all a guess. And so that just leads me to want to speculate about what about a sentence that doesn't make him a martyr quite as much, that makes him more of a laughingstock. I think that's the direction I would want to go. More on this. Believe me, we'll keep talking about this. There will be plenty more in this week in Trump. Let me just quickly tackle one more. We are going to try our darndest. We're recording this on August 8th. We're going to try our darndest to get this show out ASAP today. In part, that's because there is a major referendum happening in Ohio today. And I still want this discussion to be relevant before we find out the results. The referendum, it's a long story. I don't want to belabor it. I'm going to try and make this as, as quick and simple as possible. In essence, there there is a referendum. There's two referendums here. There's a referendum coming up in November where abortion rights activists have managed to get on the ballot a measure that would protect the right and access to an abortion in Ohio. In response, the Ohio legislature put a competing ballot measure on the ballot. It's being voted on today that would raise the threshold from 50% to 60%, along with some other changes, for passing a referendum in Ohio. What that would mean is that current polling shows that the abortion rights measure enjoys the support of about 57% of Ohio voters. What that would mean is that under today's polling, even though you would have a clear majority of Ohioans wanting to enshrine that protection in the Ohio Constitution, it would fail under the 60% threshold. In essence, what Democrats are arguing is that Republicans facing a loss on this issue are simply moving the goalposts. They're moving it just beyond the reach of what Democrats can muster in a democratic process. Paul, I'm going, because I'm sure you agree with me, I'm gonna to turn to you first. And then Alicia, you get the you get to come in and back clean up on this. This seems to me like a clear case of basically the Ohio legislature saying, hey, democracy and voters, screw you. We're gonna we're going to define the rules here so that only we win. So let's talk about both sides. I hear you. I understand that. And that's certainly procedurally where the thing, where it stands. They're, the Republican legislature is afraid of losing on this abortion referendum. And they're afraid of losing on a number of other liberal initiatives, which voters might want to enshrine in the state constitution. So they want to raise the bar. Funny that they haven't done it before, only when this abortion measure comes up, have they tried to raise the bar. On the other hand, for a constitutional amendment, 50 plus one is some people might consider, really, do we really want that low a threshold for changing the Constitution? Because changing the Constitution is a big deal. Maybe there should be a higher threshold. It's look at the U.S. Senate, where there's a lot of back and forth and Sturm und Drang over rules that require two thirds or for various things. So I, I can see the point, but under these circumstances, Matt, I have to agree with you. This is a test case by the Ohio legislature. They want to see this done around the country where Republican legislatures try to get in the way 
of liberal initiatives. Alicia? I agree with you about what the motivation for the legislature to do this is, but I'm in the place that Paul just mentioned. I had no idea you could change the Ohio State Constitution with 50% plus one. What I did is an exercise with my daughter this morning where I had her shout out a random state and I looked up how to change that state's constitution. I looked up about 10 different states and did not find one where this is how you can change a constitution. Some are, it has to go through multiple legislatures after a general election once approved so that there's multiple legislatures that approve to put this on a ballot. I'm in New Hampshire, requires two thirds of the electorate after it goes through another process. I do not think, and I had no idea that, and my contact just fell out, that you could change the constitution with 50% of the electorate plus one, regardless of the issue. I think that's way too low of a threshold. We are every two to four years, the politics of states can change, particularly in swing states. And I'm willing to bet most people didn't catch on until this, that you can do it. If it doesn't change every couple of years, there's going to be a petition to put something on the con- on the ballot to change the constitution because they know they've got 50% plus one. I think it's a bad process and the threshold should be raised regardless of why. And I agree with you. That's the motivation behind doing it. I think it should be changed anyway. She's a witch. I denounce Alicia Preston. I actually agree with you. I think you're right. I actually, I'm on the record on this in my writing. I'm generally not a big fan of referenda. I'm sorry. I'm not either. I, and But the reason is that the whole point of having a republic is that many issues are not easily reducible to sound bites and a couple of sentences of explanation. They're complicated. They're nuanced. There are arguments to be had. You have to, Alicia, in your day job, you were supporting organizations advocating in the New Hampshire legislature. And the way it works in that legislature and in most legislatures is that there are hearings. You have testimony. Now, the way New Hampshire does it is stupid, where any citizen can show up and say, I would like to hold forth. Yeah, New Hampshire. Hampshire. Fantastic. But anybody. you're supposed to you're supposed to take testimony. You're supposed to learn facts and you're supposed to make decisions and you elect people to represent you to do that because you actually don't want the passions of the electorate. Our, the framers of our constitution were actually a little worried about too much direct democracy because they recognized that it's easy to demagogue certain issues and it's easy to demagogue if you're a certain type of politician and you don't want to do that you don't want to run your government and your society that way you want to have more reasoned considered discussion and evaluation of important questions i believe in doing that through a legislature so in general i'm not a fan of referenda that said paul's entirely right too duh it's so freaking obvious what republicans are doing here and just to be extra galling by the freaking way This legislature came about because of a gerrymandered map that was found to be illegal by the Supreme Court of the sovereign state of Ohio. They said this map is illegal. It is unconstitutional. You cannot elect legislators under this map. And do you know what the good legislators, the Republican leaders of Ohio did? They said, hey, Supreme Court, fuck you. We don't care. Go away. And they went ahead and ignored them, and they elected a new legislature anyway. And that's how you ended up with a Republican-dominated legislature that said, now we're going to move the goalposts on this abortion measure. So this whole thing stinks. It just stinks. So I think that the answer here is absolutely, positively, people of Ohio oppose this 
ridiculous, politically motivated juking of the rules by this illegitimate, illegal Republican legislature. But in general, in the long term, yeah. I don't know if there was like a bipartisan way to like have a constitution that was a little bit less subject to the whims of the moment. But feels like a good thing. All right. Hey, we are running out of time here. We didn't have time to talk about biomics. I think we'll have time to do that next time and for the rest of the year as well. For Paul and Alicia, I'm Matt Robeson. We'll see you next time.